Happy Wednesday, Secret Squad. We're halfway through the week, and so it's time for a new episode of I've Got a Secret. Today's episode is going to be so much fun. I have been so excited because I have the Lauren Everts Bostic dialed in with me remotely to talk about the secret to brand building. So thank you so much for talking with me today, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, listen, I'm so excited too. I've been really, really looking forward to today. If you'll just give me a second, I really want to brag on you and tell all of our listeners all about you. So thank you. my pleasure. Everyone out there, I have to tell you, this is going to be so much fun today because Lauren is the founder of The Skinny Confidential a very popular lifestyle brand that started as a blog, but has expanded into books, YouTube, podcasting, and online program guides. This brand focuses on wellness, which of course I love, beauty, and ways to live your fullest life while keeping it real. Now, what's What could be better than that? Lauren, I just have to say that I love your Instagram. Thank you. That's Uh, so nice. I'm addicted to it. And it's not just the (laughs) photos, which are absolutely beautiful and captivating, but also it's the captions, your copy that are hilarious and so relatable. That makes me feel very good because I do really put an emphasis on the captions. I think the captions are like 80% of it. It's important. Well, I totally agree with you because you have such a talent for connecting with your audience. You know, when I look at your photos and then I read what you put with them, I'm like, oh my gosh, the photos are, like I just said, captivating. Like I go to them and they're so colorful and they're so beautiful and they're so... I don't know, they're just so real. They're so authentic, when, especially when it's you, your family, and your life. When I read what you've written with them, it's just adorable, or it's just so, so much, it's just so much fun. And I'm right now, the one I'm thinking of right now is when you wished your husband a happy birthday. <laughs> uh-oh. I don't know what that was. Don't say uh-oh. Because I just you should it was... see what I have planned for Father's Day for him. He's, he doesn't even know what he's in for. I already have it all nice and planned out. Oh, I love it. I love it. I cannot wait then. I can't wait. And I'm thrilled you're here to share how you've been able to build, scale, and diversify this incredible brand of yours. Can you tell all of us about the Skinny Confidential and the mission behind it. Sure. I started the Skinny Confidential when I was attending San Diego State University. And I always say like I was doing what society told me to do, which was you graduate high school, you go to college, you check the box, you join the sorority, you do, you know, just kind of what they say. And I noticed while I was doing all these things that there was a really big void for me. I wasn't fulfilled. And I recognized it pretty early on. I I joined a sorority for about two minutes, I say. (laughs) And they told me I had to pay $800, you know, for friends. And I I was like, you're telling me I have to pay $800 to be a part of a community. How can I do this online without paying anyone and connecting all different kinds of women 
from around the world. And at the time, a blog was not, but people didn't really kind of know what it was. Um, and this, this is, you know, 11 years ago. And I was bartending and teaching Pure Bar and working, working my butt off. And I just thought, what if I put all an emphasis on bartending and teaching Pure Bar and put the, the rest of the energy into the brand and the blog? And so I kind of, to be honest with you, checked out mentally when it came to school and just worked at night until 12 or one, would come home, return emails until 2 a.m., wake up, teach, go to school really quick, come home, shoot pictures for the blog, write, and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So um, I launched it with knowing that there was a void online for community. And that's that's how the foundation of the brand started was definitely the blog. That's the mothership. Wow. Well, so you, even at that, what I consider a young age, you had a passion and you never looked back. Would you say that's true? Yes, definitely. And I think we're living in a time right now where college, everyone says is so important. And while I think it is important for some people, I don't think it's for everybody. I think that instead of telling people when they graduate college to go apply to all different places to, to see what you like, what I say is go get a bartending job or a serving job and double down on what you really love to do. Instead of going and working for all these different people, do what you love for yourself during the day or during the night and hustle your ass off, you know, whether it's day or night. Um, and I, I think that, that, that isn't, like I said, the, the thing that society tells you to do. But I think we're living in a day and age, too, where we can create our own future. And I hope that I'm an example of that to the community. Oh, I um, believe I believe that you are. I believe yeah. that you are. So, so it's true to say that when you were in school, you already had that entrepreneurial spirit about you. You knew that you were going to uh, create your future, create what you had a passion for, even at that young age? So to be honest, I knew the second that I decided that I was going to launch, launch the blog because I knew I was going to use the blog, like I said, as a foundation to launch other things. So eventually a book, um, you know, a podcast, whatever that was off the blog. Really? Uh, but I will say that I did not look into monetization for three years. Oh. And I did it every single day for seven days a week for three years without making a dime. Really? So, yes. And I, I think that that's really important if there's any listeners out there that want to get into the influencer space or the digital space or become a digital creator. Try not to focus so much on the money uh -huh. and try to just focus on bringing the audience tangible value that they can, they can use your tips and tricks and implement them into their own life. That so is my great intention, like from the beginning was how, what is the audience getting from this? That was my main concern. And I, even to this day, ask myself that question. When I post an Instagram story, there has to be a takeaway. Yes, of course. I, I totally agree with that. So that is great information for sharing with the listeners. So for the first three years, it, it's not by accident that you didn't make a penny. You knew that your focus had to be building, not necessarily having a paid position. Yes, yes, definitely. It just I, I use the side hustle of the bartending and the teaching fitness mm -hmm. to supplement the income and just really focused, like I said, on providing value, beautiful images, quality content, um, 
and, and building community. That was very important to me in the beginning. That's wonderful. And, so it, and, and what, how did you decide what your content would be? Well, I always say that I looked at it like an upside down triangle. So I, I, whenever I'm, you know, talking to a mentee, I always say, look at your brand as an upside down triangle. So start with a niche that makes you unique and stand out. And at the time there was no really health and fitness blog that focused on modifications. So for instance, like I would go to Rubio's and ask for a lettuce cup instead of uh, a taco shell. And that was the blog post. Or I would go to the movie theaters and ask for kids popcorn instead of a huge jumbo popcorn. And that, those little modifications is sort of how the blog became popular. But I was really uh, strategic about how I introduced the characters in my life. So my husband, who was then my boyfriend, was not introduced you know, for a year. My grandma, who was the most important person in my life, wasn't introduced for two years. I was really slow and, and strategic about how I grew it. And Slowly, as I talked about health and fitness, I grew outward, 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 outward until it became a lifestyle on its own. So I think, again, if there's anyone starting out a brand or a blog, really zone in on what makes you unique because a lot of bloggers will tell you that the space is too saturated and it's not too saturated at all. It's just you have to have a unique perspective. So if I like say if, if your perspective is about sea monkeys, mm-hmm. talk about sea monkeys and mm-hmm. talk about that you know, for a year straight and then slowly build out into other things that you're interested in. I love that. I love that because the underlying message here that I'm hearing from you is stay true to your passion, but also uh, stay true to being authentic. Am I right? You're right. You're right. You have to, I think the audience, we're, we're in a space right now where the audience picks up on bullshit. When you're bullshitting them, they're not, they're not going to be as engaged. They, they can feel your intention. There's just too much content now to not come off, you know, authentic. And that word gets used so much, but it is important to have your own formula. Sure. You can look at your competitors, but I mean, you know, the brand that you've built and your husband's built, it has been, it's been built off your your authenticity and your personalities that's so important and i think we're like i said we're at a space where the audience smells it if you're not being true to to who you are oh that just you know what that just really truly gave me chills because i truly believe that and and uh, as you said earlier uh, a lot of people were telling you oh that's the market is saturated in that this or it's saturated in that and you cannot allow yourself to be led by other people's opinions or to be stopped by other people's opinions. You have to stay true to what you believe in and what you're passionate about, I believe. And, and that's what you did. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that if you are telling yourself that it's too saturated, you have to really examine that and see if that's an excuse that you're telling yourself of why not to get started. Because the truth is we're dealing with the world. This is not, this isn't like a restaurant on La Cienega with another restaurant across the street. We're dealing with billions of people. And so if you want to launch a blog and you have a unique perspective and you want to take the time to provide quality content with value to the audience, you mm-hmm. have a pretty good recipe for success. You're right. And I, I have a question to ask you, but before I do, and this may seem so silly, say, so simple, I don't know, but for, for all of the listeners, there may be one person that wants this definition. Could you just give us your definition of the word blog? 
the word blog, um, I would say, well, there's, there's microblog and there's blog. A microblog would be a really long Instagram caption mm -hmm. where you're either writing your feelings, you're writing, you know, three steps on how you wake up in the morning, you're writing why you should drink water, you're writing like, again, the, the little tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. A blog is just a longer extension of that. So it's just where you go on, you write, um, and, and you post pictures with it. So it's essentially kind of like Instagram, uh -huh. but Instagram's a micro version of it. That's right. how I would explain it. It's, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's a macro version of Instagram. Love it. I love that. Do you think there's a lot of pressure on influencers in general to look and seem perfect all the time? Yes and no. I think that it's 2020 and people, it's not enough for a girl to be in the street wearing a skirt that's blowing in the wind with an emoji caption. It's not enough. So is there going to be pressure on someone like that? Sure, because the audience is expecting more. Um, I think that that the, the pressure does come when, you know, I, I would say that there's pressure with filters and, and how to kind of actually similar to actresses, I would say. Yes. Um, because people do, they, they see a lot of the good parts of an influencer's life and not a lot of the negative parts, which is a, one thing that I've really tried to do from the beginning is be brutally honest to a T where, you know, talking about that I gained 55 pounds when I got pregnant or that I'm in the midst of losing 30 pounds or talking about camel toes or birth control or Botox. I, yep. I really went there with all these subjects from the beginning. So mm -hmm. I maybe don't feel the same amount of pressure as maybe other influencers feel because I have been almost too honest about these taboos. But I can see how a lot of influencers would feel pressure if they haven't opened up to other areas of their life. So right. yes and no is probably the answer. I, I think that's a great answer. I really think that's a great answer because uh, it, it depends on the kind of blog that you're yeah. offering. If it is just simply a fashion blog, then great. I follow a lot of fashion blogs where I love to see these women who have worked very, very hard to present numerous looks and, and you can just tell they, they're, they're passionate about it and they work very, very hard to give us this amazing blog of, uh, I'll use fashion, but uh, just like your blog, I would feel uh, cheated maybe if you didn't tell us everything because everything you offer is just so interesting and so real and so helpful. Yeah, I think the podcast, as you know, too, is like another extension. It's, 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 you're not leading with your looks, mm -hmm. you're leading with your thoughts and, and the value that you provide. And so that's been, that's been an easy transition for me because I really didn't want to be known as this curated fashion blog where everything looks perfect. Mm -hmm. I definitely am an oversharer by nature. So the podcast has helped make the transition into 2020 a little bit more smooth because like I said, it's not, it doesn't have to do with the way I look, which I love. <laughs> I can wear whatever I want. <laughs> great. I think that's great too. How did you approach your branding strategy? So like I said, I started off with the niche. I slowly grew outward. I started with the blog. The next extension of that was the book. We came out with the book. And then the next extension of that was a body guide where people could 
could, you know, get access to the trainer that I work out with and she would share all her secrets. And then the most important one, and, and I'm sure that maybe you can relate on this, the podcast has been, it has been just a whole different tier for the brand because not only are we allowed to get on the mic and speak our opinion unfiltered, right? Because we're not actresses. We can say whatever we want. That's right. Um, But we've also been allowed to bring these incredible experts like in, in such niche fields, for instance, like, you know, Ben Greenfield, he's, he's a biohacker. Yes. And, you know, you go to like Jessica Alba and she has, she's so good at her craft and we've been able to bring them on and showcase, you know, what they're doing. Uh, But then also just bringing on people that, that maybe don't have a huge following that are just really amazing people that are doing amazing stuff. Like Khalil Rafahi, he owns Sun Life Organics and he went from you know, being this heroin addict that was living on the streets, homeless yes. to owning this beautiful, you know, multi-million dollar brand that, that just serves people in the community. So to be able to, to pick these people's brains on, on, um, audio and, and not only that, I felt like with all the content that I was serving my audience, the only medium out of all, all the content that was saving the audience time was the podcast. Uh So with the blog, I was taking their time. With Instagram, I was taking their time. Stories, Facebook, all taking their time. They have to scroll through. But a podcast, and you know this, you can be folding your laundry or doing makeup or taking a walk. And so I felt really good about respecting my audience's time. And so that's really opened uh, the brand to more, to more opportunity, I think. I totally agree with you. You know what, in my opinion, what I love about the podcast, and it's, it's pretty much exactly what you just said. I personally am a, uh, I love to research anything I'm passionate about. I just research every opportunity I can, uh, through the internet library, you know, books, whatever I can visiting with others, experts, uh, I'll make appointments with different doctors and just go in and, and, and talk to them about an issue I have. So whatever, I research every opportunity I can. And through that research, I will come across the most brilliant people that, that I feel I could share with the listeners. So I feel I love the podcast environment for that very reason. It just gives me and other podcasters the opportunity to share brilliant people who have a lot of information to share with the listeners that will possibly change their lives or save their lives. I agree. And I honestly can say that I've learned more listening to podcasts and consuming Audible than I had in college. And that's the truth. And to be able to say that and feel that and know that maybe I'm bringing the audience some kind of value like that makes Mm -hmm. you feel good, as you said. I love hearing you say that. How do you maintain your brand consistency? I really pay attention to color schemes, fonts. I always say, like, I want to know how I'm making the audience member feel when they leave the site and my Instagram page. So Uh for me, one of those goals is to, to make them feel like they can go off and use the tips to be the best version of themselves. I don't want an audience member to look at my Instagram and just feel like, okay, these tips are unattainable. I can never use them. So that's really important. I think you have to, you have to write down. I like always say, get a huge poster board, write down how you want the audience member to feel when they leave, write down how you want them to feel when they're consuming your content, 
use the same fonts and shapes and don't stray away from that because you saw another influencer use purple. Keep, keep your colors. So like my colors have been pretty consistent in the same shades and tones. Um, you know, I also try to, to stay in my own lane. Yes. Bethany Frankel told me once that the, her best tip for branding was to stay in your own lane. Love it. I do obviously pay attention to what's happening around me, but at the same time, I'm very cognitive about, about staying where in, in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that, like you are the five people you hang around with every day, but you're also the five people that the, of content you consume. So if you're sitting consuming really negative content all the time, that even if it's one minute a day, that's 365 minutes a year mm-hmm. of consuming negative content. So I try to only consume, you know, one person for wellness when it comes to Instagram stories, one person um, for like fitness. I try to really not overwhelm myself. Um, and that's just from like a human experience. But as far as keeping the brand consistent, it's fonts, it's tones, it's shades, it's um, and it's it's making sure that you have the same message with every piece of content, which is my thing is, is what is the audience going to take away from this? We really try to put the audience first. Wow. I love that. I, I really love that because uh, I think you're so right. It's, it's important to uh, be consistent uh, visually and content wise. So uh, and I was going to ask you how important uh, are visuals and graphics in the branding process, and you just explained you explained that, but I, I totally agree with you because it's something that you want your your readers and your your viewers, your listeners, to come back to and know that they're not going to be thrown off or uh, confused. There's a reason yeah. they're coming back to you every time. Yeah, I think when you can what a brand is, is they don't have to see my face to know it's my brand. Right. And that's really important to me. It's if they can, they can see a picture of a cat on a pink fluffy rug and just with little details, know that it's the skinny confidential brand. That's really important to me. Well, I love that. I, I think you're absolutely right. How do you expand your audience and demographic while also staying true to your brand? I think that so many people nowadays are so focused on getting more followers and what I try to do, and I'm not saying this is right and anyone else's way is wrong. This is what I've tried to do is instead of focusing on the followers, I don't have focus on the followers I do have. So I double down on them, whether it's talking with them in DM, commenting back. Um, I just really try to nurture the relationship with the people that already are supporting me because I feel like at the end of the day, they'll go out and they'll sort of soldier the brand as opposed to just looking to getting more, getting more, getting more. But in saying that, I think distribution of content is extremely important. And I've learned that the hard way where you, you create all this beautiful content and you have all of it, but you're not being strategic with how you're actually distributing it. And that's 80% of it. You, you get to create it and it's fun and it's beautiful and it's sexy, but then what are you doing to actually put it in front of people? So that's something that I'm still working on. That's something that's not my favorite thing. I love that. You know, the one thing I would add to that is also surround yourself with those who support you in your brand, those who help you distribute and those who help you get this done. Do you agree? Yes. It seems like you have a very good team. I do. Honestly, yeah. It seems like you have a very strong team. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very proud of them. And I think it is important that when you want to get your message out and stay consistent and do everything you've just talked about, that those that help you do that, even if, of course, your husband, of 
of course it's going to be supportive and anyone like that. But if you employ anyone to help you with this message, uh, they must believe in you and must believe in the message and the brand uh, because I think it shows. I think it shows when they do and I think it shows when they don't. Agreed. So what has been the biggest challenge you faced while building your brand? Probably the fact kind of what you just said of what I need to work on is I went from being a solopreneur, which is working at siloed, isolated, doing things when I wanted to do it. And now it's expanded out to more of a team and to learn how to delegate and actually be a boss and a leader. There definitely have been growing pains. Yes. Um, I also think that, that it's growing pains to evolve with everything that happened last week. Like you have to be able to evolve and read the room on what's going on. And um, I don't think it's like I said, okay, to just, not that it's bad, but for my platform, like just posting a picture of me in the street and a dress, it's just not enough anymore. And I think that that evolving as an influencer and growing with your audience mm -hmm. is really important. Like you don't wanna be stuck doing what you were doing in 2015. You want to make sure you're on the pulse. I love that. You can't get lazy. You have to stay on top of it every day because I do believe that your followers and your your viewers, your listeners will notice it. They, they come back, as I just said earlier, they come back for a reason. And uh, your passion really, really shows. It's really obvious. I love that when you said that you don't focus on how many followers you've Focus on those that you have because they're there. Yeah. They love you. They're there for a reason. And I don't know if that's the way it's the end all be all, but that's just my strategy. I love it. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth. But when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. Speaking of being consistent, I have two things I do that's consistent with every podcast. And one is a drink of the day. And mm -hmm. uh, I've noticed that you love a good skinny margarita. Is that right? I do. I do love a skinny margarita, especially <laughs> after being pregnant for nine months. There's oh. nothing better than a skinny margarita. I totally agree. And I, I might say my love for that because you're my kind of girl. I, I love a margarita and I'm from Texas. Maybe that's why. But uh, ah. I'm going to read the recipe of your go-to tequila drink and then right. the recipe of my go-to tequila drink. I can't wait to try yours. <laughs> so your The Skinny Confidential Skinny Margarita recipe is 1.5 ounces of Blanco tequila, one ounce of Cointreau, lime, a little lemon, a speck of agave, <laughs> <laughs> a speck of it now, just a speck, and then half rim of salt. So you just put a half a rim of the glass in on salt on that. And then in a martini shaker, add three quarters fresh lime juice. Now, do you mean three quarter ounce or three quarters in the I, shaker? You know what? I'm going to be honest here. I just don't have exact measurements. I just pour the shots in and then I just pour as much lime juice as I can possibly get in there. Good, good. Okay. And then one squeeze of a lemon and then yeah. you add Cointreau and tequila. Yes. Oh, I love it. And then I love this tip that you've added. As a rule of thumb, when making a cocktail, 
Start with the cheapest ingredients first and finish with the most expensive last. And that last one was tequila. So I love that tip. Thank you. <laughs> and then you add ice to the shaker last because you don't want the ice to melt into your ingredients. I totally agree with that. Shake and strain your cocktail over the ice. Garnish with a grapefruit slice of or lime, a lime wheel, which- You're making me want to drink. It's like one o'clock. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of wanting it myself. If we were together, which we're having to do this remotely right now, but I'm going to insist you join me when this is over and we can be together at the office where we do the podcast and we're going to do one of these together. Well, welcome invite to, for you to come on our podcast whenever you want. Uh, Let's do it in person and we'll get you skinny margarita. Okay. But I have to know what your drink is. Okay. You well, okay. Well, I'm going to share my rip on a skinny margarita. Okay, so I call it the tequila martini. <laughs> it's pour some tequila over ice and shake it. No, <laughs> no. okay, it's one and a half ounce of tequila. Squeeze a fresh orange in there, just a little. Squeeze a little fresh lime. Put some pink Himalayan salt on the rim of the glass. And then pour the tequila into the cocktail shaker with uh, some ice and add a squeeze of the lime and a squeeze of the orange and shake it until it's really frosty, strain and serve in the martini glass with that pink Himalayan salt. You can that is it, you can so little, good. That sounds delicious. I have to tell you, it is so good. And you can put a little ice in that martini glass oh if you want gosh. to, but I don't think you should. It's just so oh beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yum. <laughs> and for me. extra flavor, you can add some pulp into the shaker. I always do that. I always actually take the the orange and the lime, and I scrape out the pulp. I put that in the shaker, and I just love it. That's a great tip. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So cheers. We're not actually having one, but cheers. if we were together, that would be our drink of the day. Cheers. Oh, cheers. And something I really enjoy about your content is you keep it really very real. And why is it so important to show your followers your life isn't always picture perfect? Can't wait to hear your answer. Yeah, I, I think that you, people expect more, like I said, from an influencer in 2020, they want to see all the facets. They want to get to know you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're more, they're, I want to say they're more stingy with their follow. If you're not showing your real life then they get bored quickly. Yes. So, but for me, like I've been an overshare, like <laughs> I said, I was born. And to the point where people probably tell me that's too much information. So um, to me, it's very, very natural to talk about all different kinds of things. You know, I brought my audience along on when I got a boob job, told them every facet about that. Same with, with having a baby and getting engaged and just like really showing them behind the scenes when I, I said how I blacked out the night before I got married and my husband and I got in a huge fight. I brought them along on that. Just like little, little stories like that, I think. Um, to show them like the behind the scenes is really important because I mean, it's not picture perfect and I'm not an actress, I'm a person. And so that's really important. Um, but then also, like I said, discussing the issues like, you know, filler and plastic surgery. And like I said earlier, birth control and all these, um, these, these different things that people don't maybe, maybe shy away from is so important. But they're very current relevant issues that you are dealing with in your life and you want to share it. And I think they really appreciate it. 
Yeah, it's definitely very fun to have a community that's so open and non-judgmental. Yes. Now, I, of course, work with my husband a lot, and you also work with your husband, Michael, on your podcast. Does working together come easily for you? Well, first of all, I have to bow down to you for working with your husband for this long. I mean, you, I, that's, I think I should be asking you this question. You guys have to come on the podcast and talk to us about we Maybe will. give us a counseling session. Um, no, it hasn't come easy. It's been, it's been so difficult and so hard. And there's been so many nights, and I'm sure you can relate to this, where you're in bed and it's 1130 at night and your spouse is talking about finances or something that or QuickBooks and, and you're just like, this is not, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> I think what it is, is it's a lot of sitting down and writing out the expectations on both ends and yes. making sure that there's clear roles. Uh-huh. I don't want my husband in my creative. He doesn't want me in QuickBooks um, and putting a lot of boundaries, but it's not easy. And quarantine doesn't make it any easier either. But in the end, I do think it's worth it. Uh The rewards have been, you know, astronomical to be able to go and travel with my husband instead of leaving him at home or him leaving me and to be able to be together for all different kinds of things and work on the podcast together has been really special. Well, tell us about your podcast, The Skinny Confidential Him and Her. Tell us about that. So the podcast is like a bag of Chex Mix. You never know Mm -hmm. what you're going to (laughs) get. (laughs) All different kinds of personalities, all different walks of life. Like I said earlier, it doesn't matter how many followers there are. You know, some people have millions, some people have none. It's about telling people's story and putting the audience first and having these conversations on air that would maybe be done at happy hour. Yes. Um, And we don't discriminate on age, on, on anything. It's anyone can come on as long as they have a really, really interesting story to tell or a lot of, um, tips that the audience can apply to their own life. And then sometimes we do solo episodes and it's just Michael and I. So like I said, you never know what you're going to get. Oh, I love that. I'm afraid you may not want us to come on as guests because we might be the most boring episodes you've ever done. (laughs) I don't think so. I already have a hundred (laughs) questions. I don't think so. Okay, great. Great. You know, we'll be married 44 years in just a matter of mm, less than two months. So we What's do have a history we can talk about. I want to know the secret to how you guys have been married this long and worked together. You know what? You actually gave the secret, a big part of the secret, just a, a minute or so ago when you said you have to negotiate, make a list, and write down the things that are important that you want to talk about and know what's important to not talk about and that kind of thing. When you mentioned that, that I wanted to say was such great information because that is what Philip and I both believe is the foundation of our marriage and our relationship for the last, we'll be married 44 years, but we've been together 47 years. And before we got married, we had a very long conversation, but many conversations about what what was important to the two of us to create a happy and lasting relationship and marriage. What it was that I needed from him, what he needed from me, and we got very honest with each other. And so I, from the many conversations, and we still have the conversations, but before we entered marriage, I knew what he needed from me. I knew what it would take to make him happy. 
And I choose, I chose then, I still choose to do those things. And in those conversations, we had to be very vulnerable. He told me the things that would push his buttons, that would upset him. And I chose then, and I still choose not to do those things. Why would I do that? I, I know specifically what I could do to upset him. I choose not to do that. And I made those very same admissions to him. So if either one of us chooses to do those things, we do it full well knowing that we're doing it knowing he doesn't want that. And he would be doing it full well knowing he's going to hurt my feelings or upset me or make me mad or break my heart. So why would he do that? And why would I? So that's, that's what I, that's how I would answer that. A big part of my answer. We, we need to have some, we need to have that conversation. I need to write down my list. It's a scroll. Mm-hmm. 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 That's right. And then you have to have many conversations over the years because no one is perfect. No one is perfect. And, you know, we all change as the years go by. We all change. Our personalities change in some ways and our needs change and our wants and needs and what we have to offer changes. And we become different people, but we have over the years come to appreciate and admire and respect each other in different ways. So it's a very good example about two people that have been together for a long time who have built a massive brand. So uh, I'm taking notes mentally. (laughs) Great. Well, let me ask you this. You recently became a mom to a beautiful baby. And let me just tell you, I think this speaks so highly of how creative and how fun you are because her name, I love her name, Zaza. So (laughs) congratulations. How did you pick her name, Zaza? For like, 10 years I was obsessed and still am with Jaja Gabor. Oh. And I just loved how she was unapologetically herself. She was ahead of her time. Yes. She she d- has done so many funny commercials about where she's this fabulous woman that's been married for eight times and just, you know, each oh. each time she gets a million dollars from each husband. She just makes me laugh. And I've read all her biographies. Yeah. But I thought her name was pronounced Zaza. So I kept telling my husband how I love Zaza Gabor and da 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 for years and years. And one day he turned to me and he said, Lauren, it's Jaja. <laughs> okay, I have to name my daughter Zaza. And we didn't do the Z in it because we felt like people wouldn't be able to like really pronounce it. So the Zaza came from Jaja Gabor. I love it. I love it. That is just adorable. And I love the name. Congratulations. How are you acclimating to balancing your career and being a new mom? Um, it's been tough. It's been tough with quarantine, but um, it could be worse. It's really awesome that my husband has a paternity leave with me because he's here. Um, and I think that it requires just being incredibly productive in the time that you're given while the baby naps. So, you know, for me, that consists of doing my conference calls while I'm walking, yeah. going on the treadmill and returning emails, doing two things at once. Mm-hmm. Um that, that isn't multitasking, it's more passive multitasking. Yes. So listening to a podcast while I clean the kitchen or if I'm prepping for an interview, putting on that interview and you know getting my nails done, just doing things that I can do passively has really helped. Yes, I love that. You know, that just took me back to when we had our first son, Jay, 
And uh, I'm just going to be honest, and I'll admit it, I never wanted to put him down. I just held him all of the time. And Philip would look at me and goes, you know, at some point you're going to have to put him down. And I just remember looking at him going, uh, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why should I put him down? How old do you have to put him down where you're like, you can't even hold him anymore? Is it like one years old, two years <laughs> yeah. old? Well, I, I probably finally put him down. I mean, like I had him on my in my arms and then on my hip for probably six months. <laughs> but he said, That's really, really, you're going to, you're really going to need to put him down. You know, it's going to, uh, and then when I'd say, well, give me a good, really, really good reason why he, he just said, well, forget it. <laughs> just, just, okay, never mind. Never mind. It's, but uh, the other thing he would always say to me that I just would look at him and go, what? He'd say, you know, really when he's napping, you should be napping. He, I mean, he would only say this like once, twice at the most, but I just looked at him and went, What? I've got to get so much done. You've got to get stuff done. Yes. I've got a lot I can do while he's asleep. But it's yeah, kind of it's funny. Hard. It's kind of funny. But it's a good hard though. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And now that young man's 40 years old, and uh, I still remember that. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> so tell me, what's next for the Skinny Confidential? Next is hopefully eventually more live podcasts, not at this moment, but soon. Um, another book and definitely product. Oh, I love it. And um, I think with everything that's going on in the world too, I think it's really important to give back and we're seeing what that looks like, something with podcasts or um, maybe we do ticket sales. Um, but, but most importantly, getting in person eventually with the people that have supported me and whether that's oh. doing like live shows or um, podcast events, I think it's important to also connect offline. Oh, I think that is so wonderful. You are like reading my mind because I've been thinking that very thing. So maybe that is supposed to happen. I said earlier that consistency is important. I agreed with you on that. And so this is the second consistent thing that I love to do in my podcast. And it's a game of the day. How do you feel about playing games? Let's do it. Wonderful. Today's game is called This or That, Beauty, Wellness, and Social Media. So I'm it. going to read off two things at a time, and we're going to decide which we'd pick over the other. So, of course, this is a made-up game, but it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I love it. Okay, so number one, get a haircut by a sword or by fire. Ooh. I'm going to get a sword, not fire. A blunt cut. Yeah, yeah. Fire is kind of scary. Yep. Ooh. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally going with a sword. Short sword. <laughs> okay. Yeah, number two. Now, you're going to have to explain what both of these wellness techniques are before you answer. Hmm. Red light therapy or lymphatic drainage massage? If I have to explain one, I'm definitely going to go with lymphatic drainage. Yes, good. So lymphatic drainage is a very, very light massage on the surface of the skin. Like you can barely feel it. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it drains your lymph nodes. So whenever you're doing it, you want to go up to lift the face and then down the neck to drain it. And it's going to make you go pee, which is great because you're yes. flushing the fluids and the toxins out. I love that too. You know, I used to have a woman that could, would do that and she would do it on my hands as well. And she would do it on my forehead and I could hear the, like the crinkling when she would get my, the lymphatic system on my entire body. But it, you're right. I could barely make it off the table before I had to run in it to pee. 
Yeah, it's really cool. It's 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 very 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 beneficial for yes. listening the face and, and and for ridding puffiness and toxins from your body. You're right. The red light yeah. therapy. I've never had it. I've heard about it. I know it's supposed to be great, but we both go with lymphatic drainage. Yes. Okay. Lymphatic. Number three. Get a live snail facial or sheep placenta facial. Oh, no. Are, are these real things? Both. I'll do both. I'll try both. Okay. I don't know about the sheep placenta. That sounds amazing, but I would just do it just to do it. Okay. And um, the snail facial, I've heard of it and I heard it's incredible. Really? I'm. If you tell me something's going to do like something that beautifies your face, I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, I will too. And I'm going to take your word for it. So I'm going to check that out. Okay. Next, only be able to take photos or videos. Um, I'm going to say only take videos because I think we're really turning a corner with that and everyone wants video. Oh, I think you're right. Okay, so number five, go six months without dry shampoo or a month without deodorant. Which I don't like deodorant, so I'm going to say that one. I'd rather go a month. I'm not a deodorant girl. That's so funny. Do you know what? I don't use deodorant. I don't use it. I actually don't need it. And so I've never used it. Is that funny? Wow. You're lucky you don't need it. I need it and I don't wear it. <laughs> I, there's a, there are a lot of people out there that don't believe in using de, the deodorant, but I even lived in Texas, played tennis outside in the sun and I don't perspire. I don't need it. So that's just, sort of, that's kind of crazy information. Okay. Number six, Instagram or YouTube? I prefer Instagram. I do too. I do too. Okay, number seven, celery juice or matcha latte? I love a nice matcha and I love celery juice. So I would say both, but if I had to choose, I'm choosing celery juice. Oh, really? Okay, well, I'm going to have, I'm, I can't do the celery juice because I actually don't eat anything green. Oh, wow. There. Your skin looks like you do. It's glowing. Oh, thank you. There, There's actually an enzyme in green vegetables that I actually cannot digest and kills me. So I don't wow. do that. So you're going with matcha. Matcha. Okay. Number eight, only be able to get manicures or pedicures for the rest of your life. Which one? I'm going to pick um, manicures because uh, I feel like I can just conceal my toes. Yes. I, I totally agree. I could do my own pedicures, but I'm going to go with the manicures too. I, in fact, I've been doing my own on both since this quarantine started, but I agree. Okay. Number nine, work from home or go into an office? This is for the rest of your I, life, I think. For the rest of my life, I'm going to say work from home. I find a lot of creative solicits at home, but I do like a balance, but um, I'm going to say work from home. I agree with you. I agree with you. There's just no place like home. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Okay, number 10. Meditation or yoga? Yoga. Oh, yeah. I don't do yoga. That's the one thing I, I just don't do. So I'm going to go with meditation. Okay. Number 11, intermittent fasting or six small meals a day? I like intermittent fasting. Definitely. Oh, I'm so glad I asked you that because that's really a big thing right now. I have a lot of friends that are doing it and they love it, but I have to do the six small meals a day. Yeah, I think everyone's different. You have to do whatever works for you. I agree. I agree. Okay. Do-it-yourself spa days at home or one special professional treatment? I'm going to say, um, D, I'm going to say, I'm going to say one professional treatment. And I didn't mean to say days there. It's, it's like 
if you were going to do something, it would, would it be a do-it-yourself spa day or the treatment? So you're going to pick the professional treatment. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many new cutting-edge treatments and professionals that know what they're doing. I think I might go with that, too. Okay. Journaling or meditation? Yeah. Which one? I'm going to say journaling. Wow. I'm so 100% on journaling. Okay. Bubble bath or a long, hot shower? Long, hot shower. <gasps> really? Really? Oh, I have to say bubble bath. Sometimes I take two bubble baths in one day <laughs> because it's so, I, it so distresses me. It's like, it's like I, I get so much done in a bubble bath. Like I can pray. I can think I can make lists. I can do so much. I get so much done. Okay. So, and you love a long, hot shower. I love a long hot shower or a freezing cold one. Oh, really? Very good. That's very good. I take showers as well. I love them, but I'd pick the bubble bath. Well, you know what? That brings us to the end of today's episode. And Lauren, you have been just a jewel. I want to thank you so much because this was so much fun and so interesting, so full of great information. We will have to get together in person very, very soon. Could you? Yes, you might have to come on the podcast whenever we're back out of quarantine. Done, done. It is a done deal, I promise you. Could you tell our listeners where to find out more about the Skinny Confidential and the Him and Her podcast? You can find more on at the Skinny Confidential on Instagram and the Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast on iTunes. On iTunes. I love it. Okay. And so let me just add that you all must follow you on Instagram to see your precious new daughter Zaza because I have to say that baby is so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. And Secret Squad, visit I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for blogs, recipes, and behind the scenes photos and videos. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>